Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com. The ChrisVossShow.com. Hey, coming here with another great podcast. We, of course, appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to give it a like, subscribe to us on YouTube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button so you can see all the wonderful reviews, all the great product reviews we're going to be reviewing over the next little while because you want to know what to buy for people for Christmas. So be sure to check those out on the YouTube channel. You can see Rocky the Raccoon or Freya the Husky on there as well. And you can see the great podcast with the wonderful guests like we have on today. Today, we have a most excellent guest as always, Kenneth Amaduri. He is the uh, runner of um, his website that he has on his thing called crushthestreet.com. And uh, I think he's the CEO of it. Are you the CEO of it? Uh, uh, or is, how's that work? Oh, I, I wear all the different hats, uh, crushthestreet.com, chief editor. Uh, I've done everything. I've mopped the floor yeah. at, at, at my website, too. I used to, at my corporations, I was always the CEO and the janitor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, it was amazing to me no matter how big my company was, how many hundreds of employees we had, I was still picking stuff off the floor. So I, yeah. I'm like, well, I guess I'm still the janitor. <laughs> well, you know, we started, uh, this started off after the 2008 financial crisis, you know, we were really concerned about the economy and, uh, you know, we, we really started to understand what was going on, uh, behind the scenes. And, you know, you have that whole, uh, aspect of, you know, this government intervention that, that really caused the 08 crisis. And, uh, this was the birth of Crush the Street, you know, the network of sites that, that we've started. We've come a long way since the, the janitor days of the website. I mean, I remember, you know, buying the domain name and trying to create the website by myself. And, you know, now we got a whole team of, of writers that contribute to and help that post and regularly discuss relevant information about the economy. And something that's really beautiful about what the internet and even YouTube has afforded us and iTunes and these decentralized platforms is the opportunity to, to learn from you know, so many different sources, not just the mainstream uh, media per se, but alternative sources. And, and I feel like competition of information has helped us find greater truth than we've been told in the past. And that's the reason why I really love what I do. I love educating people. I love helping people to make money. And that's my role at crushthestreet.com. That's why I wake up every day. That's why I do my research. And I mean, if people want to visit my website, they can get to know me better there. But uh, stay tuned. You know, I, I hope to give you guys some good information here during this podcast. Awesome sauce. And the website is crushthestreet.com. Yes, sir. I like I like that title. That's a pretty awesome title. And, and uh, of course, you guys cover the gambit from everything from real estate investing to the economy to investing in the stock market, pretty much everything. In fact, I, I'm seeing some articles on your website. They're just about kind of life and what's going on in Americana. A absolutely. You know, and again, we got a whole team of people that contribute and, you know, talk about precious metals and sound economics. And, you know, it, one of the things I like to tell people is, you know, we all have opinions in life, right? And everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But, you know, when you put your money where your mouth is, there's actually a scoreboard that 
clearly reflects whether or not your opinion is actually working out for you. And uh, that's that's the reality of things. You know, when you invest and have to put your money and anticipate what is going on and trends and, you know, what's going on with stocks, what's going on with precious metals. I mean, really, you're analyzing what people are going to be doing in the future. Where are the trends going and anticipating those things and, and being able to anticipate those things and correctly do it is how you make money. And this was one of the reasons why we were largely ahead of the trends with cryptocurrency in 2017. That was the greatest bull market in all of history. The mm -hmm. cryptocurrency Bitcoin run. I mean, that was the greatest bull market that we've seen up until now. Till now. Maybe it's the greatest bull market that, we'll, uh, that I'll ever see in my lifetime. And, and we were part of it. I mean, we were advocating for Bitcoin in, you know, 2012, 2013. You know, we, we ran a documentary about it. We called it Banker's Worst Fear in 2013. I know uh, people will argue that, but uh, we anticipated something that we thought was going to be very big and it paid off very well for us. And that's, again, opting out of the mainstream media. The mainstream media was bashing Bitcoin at, you know, last year. And they had to cover it, of course, but they covered it when it was 20,000, you know, 15,000. They're scratching their heads about it. But it was nowhere to be heard of when Bitcoin was $700, $800. I mean, that was the time to be talking and looking into these things. And that's what we were doing. And that's my goal again, with what we do with our research and our focus. Yeah, you've got to know what's coming and what's coming down the pike and what, what the options are. And I remember doing interviews for Bitcoin back in the, the 2013, 2014 era. Um, people were like, what is this? What is it about? Uh, and I could see it would be the future because of the freedom and the no limits that it had outside of Federal Reserves and other things of that nature. And we initially saw that, you know, the banks were like, oh, no, we got to squish this. The Fed I'm, I was like, we got to squish this. We can't let this have its route. You know, we can't lose power. But the decentralization of power that, that cryptocurrency gives is is uh, just immense. Yeah. Well, and, and Milton Friedman, you know, he predicted it uh, loosely, what, in the 1990s, you might have seen that that clip of him talking about some sort of internet money that would yeah. really be out of the hands of the government. And, you know, the free market is like, you know, trying to hold water in your hand. It's it's like impossible if you, when you try to, you know, contain it in one section, it, it comes out the other way. And that's how I feel like. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is if you try to control capital too much, and it's especially seen in corrupt countries like Argentina, Venezuela, Cyprus, Greece, you know, these countries that have these strict banking controls. And while the country is collapsing, right, you know, who wants to hold their wealth? their 30, 40 years of savings in a currency that's collapsing. I mean, nobody wants to do that, but the government doesn't want you to jump ship because that only perpetuates their problem, right? As a sovereign individual. Mm -hmm. And it was difficult prior to Bitcoin. I mean, unless you were able to get your hands on some gold or something else that's tangible. But Bitcoin, I mean, how beautiful is it? You purchase it. You get on an airplane, turn your phone on, and there it is. I mean, you don't even have to like it. You could just get in, get out of it, 
and buy a house somewhere else or, or do something else with it. Buy US dollars if you lived in Venezuela. You don't even have to like Bitcoin. Just for the sake of moving your money out of the hands of a corrupt government, that's a use case in it all of itself. And I love it for that reason. And a lot of governments are afraid of it. I mean, the U.S. was afraid of it. I mean, because the U.S. has to compete with it now. They sell T-bills. And most people would buy T-bills because for the safety factor. But they would buy T-bills because the belief was the U.S. government will always be around and pay their bills. So it's a good investment. But you've got countries like China that have, have all but, uh, I think, pretty much banned cryptocurrency at this point, right? Yeah, well, the... the countries i mean the us the sec the, these countries they're not going to want to allow this to compete with the dollar i mean oh, even the countries that are collapsing yeah. right the the country they don't want cryptocurrency to compete with their collapsing currency mm -hmm. like the the boulevard the mm -hmm. one that you know went into hyperinflation yeah. Even though it's collapsing, they still don't want you moving your money from boulevards into something else. They're not encouraging that. They're yeah. saying, hey, we need to keep this in order. And the only way we can do that is by keeping you all in this one specific spot here. Yeah. But absolutely, uh, any sort of competition to the mainstream is not going to be promoted. Uh, you're not going to hear about it promoted in you know, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, CNBC. These are not going to be things that are conventionally like, that are taught about in a positive way in the current college education system. The government and uh, the, the progressive conventional wisdom in society is kind of in a way, uh, not in a conspiratorial way, but just in a way, uh, a groupthink, a major groupthink, and, and very much going down a, a certain path that isn't always in the best interest of the people. And I mean, in a lot of ways, we're deteriorating uh, as a society as we continue for, to move from cap, a capitalist society into a socialist society. And it's not binary, you know, for all the socialists out there like Bernie Sanders who say, hey, you know, how come we don't have free health care for everyone? How come we don't have free college education for everyone? It's not a binary thing of, of yes and no, because in a lot of ways, we do subsidize people who can't afford college education. We do subsidize people who can't uh, afford health insurance. And there's a, a whole spectrum of socialism that already, already exists. He just wants to pour fuel on the fire and you know really advance it to another level. So... Um, Anyways, I just went on that rant, <laughs> side rant there. But um, yeah, any competition to the mainstream is going to be uh, fought against tooth and nail. They're trying to do it with YouTube. And if they really do get their hand on you know, people and free speech and Google really shuts down people like us who want to just have an opinion and, and expose uh, truth where it is and, and the lies where they exist, uh, other avenues will pop up on the internet that allow people to have free speech. And I wholeheartedly believe that the free market will uh, prepare and offer opportunities for that. There's an old saying, uh, I think it was from the movie, No Country Full of Men, you can't stop what's coming, that's vanity. <laughs> well, what I, one of the things that I think is coming down the pipe is AI. 
And I, I think we're, we're going to have a conversation about this in our, in the conversation here, but, um, AI is something that's very controversial. Even people that are conservative or libertarian minded, they're worried about AI taking people's jobs. What are people going to do? You know, large portions of society going to do if you have these robots replacing their jobs and how do we legislate this? away so we don't have mass unemployment or mass uh, displacement of jobs in our society. And what I would say is if you try to legislate AI in a way that limits technology from advancing forward, you know, sure, you'll contain it in one area, but another country or somebody else is going to rise up because all AI is is technology moving forward. And if you, one company is using AI and becoming more efficient, you as a company that's in the dark ages uh, will just be put out of business because you're inefficient and your profits will go down. You'll, you'll be put out just by the free market saying you're not profitable and this person is. So that's why uh, it's a double-edged sword. You have to be open and nimble to using AI. Uh, your kids need to be able to uh, navigate the economy in a way where they're nimble and able to learn and, you know, in some ways even merge with AI. Mm -hmm. uh, it's because that's what's coming too. you know, it's the it's not just AI versus humans. It's uh, the merging of AI to make humans that much better. And uh, I believe that's coming in, in a lot of different ways. I think you're right. You've got to adopt and adapt. You've got to see, you know, we're living through uh, quicker cycles. It used to be that you could wait, you know, I don't know, a generation and uh, steel would, you know, U.S. steel would go from being the number one in, in index on the uh, stock market <clears throat> to where you now have, you know, Google and other different uh, technology things that are more cerebral based as opposed to labor, uh, blue collar based. Um, you've got to have your eye on the future, what's coming. And like you say, you've got to adopt and adapt and, and you've got to explore certain things. I mean, our, like, like you said, and we talked about cryptocurrency, a lot of, there were a lot of naysayers at the beginning of it, but I could, I could see the freedom of it where, you know, I mean, if anybody's ever sat down, I would encourage anybody to read a books on the federal reserve. If you understand how the federal reserve works and the power it exerts and, uh, even I was reading the other day that, that one of the problems they have is when I want to transfer money between banks, you know, from my PayPal to my bank or vice versa, you know, it takes two to three days sometimes to get that transfer doing. And the great thing about Bitcoin is I can press a button and within seconds you get the money. Um, and I'm like, why can't that, why can't we live in that world? Why do I live in this world where, you know, I can't get my money from one bank to the next without taking three days. And turns out there's a, there's a company that sits atop that those transfers and controls them. And the reason it takes three days is because they're an archaic company with this archaic control they have over banking and banking regulations to oversee these transfers. And the reason they're doing it is because they get like a chump of change off the banks for every transaction that passes through them. So there's this arbiter that's controlling everything. And it's all about these controls and power centers, like you say, the US government, the Fed, um, the SEC, you know, all these different controls that, that, that they want to have over you and your money. And the great thing about cryptocurrency is that freedom that it's just like, you know what? I don't need any of you. I'm just going to send money to that guy over there and be done with it. Yeah. Well, we're our own bank with yeah. 
cryptocurrency. We're our, our own transaction network. It's PayPal, Visa, and gold or, or the US dollar all combined. Like the best yeah. attributes of all three of those yeah. are combined into Bitcoin. And yeah. you know, I don't think it's going to be this beanie baby fad that goes away. I mean, yeah. a lot of people that are so anti-Bitcoin and said, oh, it's going to go away. I mean, I know guys like Peter Schiff are really against it. I mean, it's largely finding a base here around $6,000. And the fact that it's $6,000, I think, says a lot about uh, what Bitcoin is and you know its viability in our system. And it only continues to show itself more and more resilient each year that goes by. Because in the beginning, you know, in 2011, 2012, People were were worried that, you know, is the network even safe? Can I really put in, uh, you know, $30,000 of, of purchasing power into this and feel confident that it's going to be there? And, it, you know, what what is it going to be lost in cyberspace? And a lot of these concerns and fears have been mitigated just for the fact that it's been around for this amount of time, 10 years is showing itself that hey this is something that we can trust in and bitcoin is a beautiful thing too that it was birthed out of the 2008 financial crisis all of these problems that we're talking about this was a solution to that a response to that and uh it's difficult to even replicate what bitcoin did uh it had that first mover advantage and uh it doesn't have a creator you know no central point of attack even from a creation standpoint i mean it's just the people the people's money uh and that's a really interesting thing and something i, I really have opened my mind to over the the years and it's you know i've made a decent amount of money from it i've invested in it and uh, i think it's going to be around for the long haul uh would i equate it to gold uh that's you know something that people are scratching their heads about now too. Is Bitcoin going to be around in a thousand or 2000 years that I'm not a hundred percent certain of, you know, I believe gold is going to retain its purchasing power for the next 10,000 years. If we're still around and the earth hasn't blown up by then, but, um, Bitcoin might have other competition that comes around. I mean, there's in theory an infinite amount of cryptocurrencies that can come out and compete with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Gold is a physical finite asset. Uh, but, you know, having said that, I'm say I feel safe saying that Bitcoin's going to be around uh, and you're safe to put your money into it for the next 50 or 100 years. I'm not worried about it being displaced in the very near term. I'm talking long term. I think Bitcoin started something very special that isn't going away anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard for um, agencies and everything to control it. I mean, they're, they're going to have, be able to have some sort of oversight, but um, the freedom of being able to move stuff around, I think as more and more, I was, we had somebody on the show recently who uh, oversees different international transfers of money through cryptocurrencies. And they make sure that they do the checks and balances that pass each different country's various laws on on uh, <clears throat> the legalities of those transfers, making sure that they're not coming from from illegal sources that have either been banned by governments or maybe are drug dealers, sort of thing. You know, basically they're 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 applying the tests of the money 
laundering principles that the banking business internationally is required to uphold under international laws. Um, and so it's kind of interesting that certain company, certain countries haven't quite adopted or, or, or kind of negative towards cryptocurrencies, but they're slowly coming around. Everyone's slowly coming around. Even now you're seeing legalization of, of uh, exchanges like the, the two twins, the Zucker, whatever twins to the claim that they had uh, money in Facebook. Um, and, and you're seeing the expansion of that. Uh, and like you say, yeah, I don't know that maybe Bitcoin won't be here in a hundred years or 50 years or 20 years. Um, there could be something better, like maybe something takes it to the next level. There's always stuff being improved constantly in this world. And uh, so, so maybe, maybe there'll be something better, but for now, Bitcoin, like you say, has been around for about 10 years. It's uh, very well known. I mean, if you ask people what what cryptocurrency titles they know, you know, it's going to be Bitcoin, Litecoin, uh, Ethereum, um, and you know, Bitcoin got a lot of press and a lot of news. Uh, you know, that everyone heard about when it was uh, uh, being talked about, and and I think it's going to be a good mainstream one. There's there's all sorts of different ICOs and other things, and you can get into depth if if people want to learn about that sort of stuff, but. Um, Otherwise, yeah, it's, I think it's a real future, and I think it's going to affect how markets transfer funds, how how, how stuff's going to happen. Um, can you buy stock off the New York Stock Exchange now with Bitcoin yet, or is that still still going to go through exchanges and money stuff? Uh, I, I'm not aware of anything that you can do with, with Bitcoin directly. Um, I, I can imagine there might be some sort of service where you pay with Bitcoin, but there's an instant conversion into U.S. dollars, and that gets purchased, you know, from there into the the system. Because that's even how a lot of these uh, companies who take Bitcoin, what they're doing, they're you know charging you in U.S. dollars, and there's a conversion that takes place right before the transaction actually. So let me ask you this: What do you we we talked about this pre-show? You we're about ten years into this bull market, and of course. Part of the reason we've had this long of a bull market, and I'll let you correct me if you think I'm wrong, um, but part of the reason we had this bull market is because we we hit such a low point. We had the Great Recession, which was almost a Great Depression, and we hit a low point that was so low that this is probably the longest. Is this the longest uh, bull run we've had without a recession? Yes, this is yeah. uh, the longest bull run we've had without a recession. I know they, you know, people have talked about some other ones, you know, with like asterisks, you know, depending on what they consider the correction and you know what have you here. But I mean, this has gone on now for an extremely long period of time, and I actually like Donald J. Trump a lot as the president, and I felt like it was a, a tricky thing to do for him to take on the presidency, you know, eight years into this bull market uh, with essentially the odds against him that there is going to be a massive correction or even a crash going into this really historic bull run here. But yeah. he's owned it in so many ways. And he's instilled a lot of optimism in the economy that I, you know, wasn't really factoring in. I mean, the tax cuts that he uh implemented was huge for businesses and you know americans across the board how how important is it for the future of the country for companies that are all around the world to say i want to do business in the u.s and the capital that's being attracted here is you know absolutely uh 
amazing. I know the first quarter of the year, they had like $300 billion of capital that was repatriated into the country. Yeah, the repatriation was a big deal. I mean, irregardless of, of politics and aside of what people think about politics, the, the I, I know that, and, and there's good and bad with this, but I know that our our tax our corporation tax of I think it was thirty four thirty six percent was making us hugely uncompetitive in the world, uncompetitive in the world, and like you say, there's the you know Apple was holding there's there's some uh, a lot of different plate people that have been holding money in Ireland, um, and uh, they've been parking their funds uh, overseas and haven't been bringing that money into the U.S. Uh, and like you say, it did get repatriated and it does make the U.S. more competitive by having a good uh, tax code because people are going to other countries that had had lower percentage of tax codes and using it. Yeah. Well, and, and there's it's this fallacy that gets thrown around that all oh, the the wealthy people, you know, when you tax people at 90 percent, the economy does good. Everyone likes to look at the 1950s and say, oh, this was the greatest time in U.S. history. And we had a 91% tax rate or, or something crazy like that. But, you know, we failed to look at the fact that we just decimated the entire uh, industrialized world. And we were like the only country uh, left on the block uh, to, to thrive. So, you know, and then you got to really look out, you know, take a, a really high level view is how bad have been. Uh, the policies that have been set in place that have essentially incentivized companies in other countries to grow maybe faster than they would have had we been more competitive here in the U.S. and didn't, you know, encourage capital to go elsewhere. Because and that's that's what it's all about. If capital is incentivized to go somewhere else, that's a job. That's a business that is now not created here in the U.S. I'll give you a very personal example. Uh, I started making decent money, you know, when we started our business and I lived in California, you know, there was a 13% tax rate. It didn't make sense for me financially to be there anymore. So I said, okay, I'm going to save my money and go to Texas. Now the Texas economy gets the, the, you know, where I spend it. I spend my money here and the local economy benefits from that. And, you know, governor Jerry Brown, uh, does it in California. So that's just a very local personalized example. And, you know, these anecdotal things about, you know, having high taxes is going to be really good for the country. I really feel like people aren't connecting direct dots when they say these things, because on, a, on an individual level, when something goes up in price, uh, you are now not incentivized to spend money there. And, uh, you know, we know that when a car goes on sale, you know, people go and buy the cheaper car, right? Uh, mm -hmm. We know this happens. So on a large scale basis, you have to assume it's happening as well. And every time it doesn't happen, that incentivizes growth somewhere else. And that's the reason why we're seeing China, you know, and Asia really start to boom uh, and now start to get neck and neck with the U.S. because, you know, we've allowed essentially... Uh, that to happen. And I'm not saying, you know, we need to keep other countries down, but we need to make smart decisions to be competitive around the world. And I think we've made a step in the right direction with uh, the current president. So uh, what do you think, what do you see is going on for the future? I'll, I'll tell you what my, what I'm seeing. I, I'm seeing, um, 
I, I'm seeing where we have a job market where we don't have enough people. We have more jobs right now than we have people to fill them. That causes problems where companies have to start paying more uh, and, and, co and it costs more for them to hire. And uh, of course, their, their, their costs go up from that aspect. And then also it becomes really competitive because you're fighting over people. I've been through these things with our companies where we just we can't hire people anymore. And so as a company, we can't grow. And if we can't compete, uh, being able to afford to hire people, we end up just um, struggling. Uh, the other thing is the real estate market is definitely hitting a peak. We're starting to see, uh, like in places like San Francisco, people starting to leave. Where it's just, it's just getting too far out of control up in there. Um, I certainly moved from California a couple of years ago because I got tired of the, like you said, the taxes and the uh, costs of of living that are down there, and of course being engaged in my house all the time because if you wanted to get on the freeway and go somewhere, it took two hours to get 10 minutes down the road. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. But I, I think we're seeing a, a, a peaking of our real estate market, especially in hot real estate areas. And um, we're seeing this, they were seeing this tightened job market where there's not enough people for all the jobs that we have. Um, and I, and I think we're in line for a correction of, of a, a recession. The, the Fed might be creating one because the Fed has, of course, been very actively this last year increasing the Federal Reserve rate. What people don't realize is that's designed to cool the economy down to raise uh, borrowing rates. And they've communicated they're willing to do that as much as it takes over the next while. And we may need that to to, to, to uh, get inflation under control for this raging bull. So where do you see the next two years going? Do you see a recession on the horizon or uh, what do you see? I, I do see a recession coming in, but to address your first point about the, the lack of people to fill these jobs. I mean, I, I know on, a, as a, on an individual basis, that is not great for the company, right? Yeah. It's just, but it's a sign of how good things are, right? It's, it's yeah. the opposite is true, or the opposite was true in the 2008 financial crisis. You have companies making no money and laying people off, and you know now we're dealing with an opposite problem per se. But uh, this is something that I think you know liberals and per you know conservatives can come to agree on. It's it's a matter of you know getting people here and and a good immigration policy. Uh, the politicized problem with this is, you know, allowing, you know, people who didn't come into the country legally to just automatically get a free pass or uh, not have a border, not have rules, not have a merit based system, because uh, having, you know, importing a lot of poor people and then these people getting on the system, the system that is very generous in many cases is a problem for you know the long-term success of the country i mean if you got something good you, you have to protect it and you have to be responsible with it right i mean you know you probably would do that with your own personal household uh you you give some but then you know you have to sit back and go okay this is what i'm able to do and uh, you know this is what's good for my household long term and you know the rest you know this is what will be my charity and th that's it um, but, you know, we've become so polarized with the politics politics and, you know, we can start getting into, you know, why I think Democrats like to have uh, immigrants. Well, we, we don't want to go too deep into politics. Let's, let's... Uh, we don't need to go that direction. Uh, but I think there's an incentive to having uh, an un 
regulated immigration system that definitely. benefits. I mean, we we definitely need to pass better laws on everything. That's a given when it comes down to it. That or maybe pass less laws. But like I've had friends ask me, they go, "When do you think the recession is coming?" I think it's coming in probably. Uh, I I would say two thousand late two thousand nineteen, maybe early twenty twenty. Um, I don't know if it'll be a major recession that will be effective us, but maybe a mild one. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, we got a lot of good things in the sense that we're mitigating this in certain mm -hmm. ways. I mean, we might have already been in a recession if it wasn't for the certain things that got passed and you know yeah. the optimism that we've had in the economy up until now. Uh, so it's hard to pinpoint an exact time that this is going to take place. Mm -hmm. But we're already seeing real estate slow down. Rising interest rates is already slowing down uh, real estate across the board. I mean, we're seeing homes sit on the market now for yeah. an extended period because of time. It's the, because the Fed keeps increasing those interest rates, it increases the cost of borrowing. So if you want to buy a house, you know that's going to cool the real estate market because you can't just get – there's not the freedom of credit at, at low prices anymore. And so hopefully – you know, the biggest problem I've always had with the Federal Reserve is they always overcorrect. I don't know if that's your feeling, but it's 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 my feeling from owning a mortgage company for 20 years. They would always overcorrect and they they'd overcorrect the the uh, Federal Reserve rate and then they throw us into recession and then it would dip and, you know, it get kind of ugly before they would pull get us yeah. pulled out again. Well, and real estate is so cyclical and it trickles into to everything. I mean, when uh your housing price goes up i mean that's the that's the majority of what people spend their their mm -hmm. budgets on it's their housing and you know we've seen real estate prices go up much faster than uh people's income over the last 10 years and you know if you've if you own something if you especially if you bought like in 2010 or 2011 you own your home at least you've captured the equity on the way up yeah. now, imagine the poor millennial who's graduating and you know maybe 25 years old right now and it needs to try to buy a home i mean they got to pay really really high prices and you know they're probably in massive amounts of debt uh, as opposed to say you know older generations who have locked into asset prices and have been able to ride that up i mean that's a that's a big deal uh in terms of advantage for people who've owned assets and who who didn't and one of the biggest contributing factors for why this wealth gap is taking place is that we've injected all of this money into the system and who owns the majority of the assets it's the rich people and these have gone up in value and that's enriched them while it's just gotten more expensive on everybody else. Um, so to a certain degree, I don't agree with the Federal Reserve playing favorites uh, and you know helping one group and not the other per se. But um, I'm not, you know, I'm not progressive in my thinking that we need to just redistribute wealth and that's gonna be the end all be all for our society because I think ultimately Venezuela is is our final destination if we we really go down that rabbit hole. But um, I think a recession is absolutely on the way. We're starting to see, again, it's the signs of this. I can tell you in my own community here in Texas, homes are starting to sit. You know, realtors might feel it. Uh, construction workers are, are might start to feel it. All You know, the builders, and that starts to trickle into the auto sales and retail. 
And once that happens, people start to lose jobs. And, you know, it, it's a cascading of events like we've seen in other recessions in the past. And yeah. that overcorrection happens just in the cycle of the economy, too. Yeah. That's what we saw even in, in the <clears throat> financial crisis. And so I definitely think a recession is on the horizon. And if it comes, you know, it's going to be felt by a lot of people. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of equity in our homes vanish that we thought we once had. And, you know, I'm sure it'll trickle into the stock market, too. Yeah. Uh, which the stocks have been very volatile, as you've seen since the beginning of the year. Uh, and I think that's because the the investors and, and people on Wall Street, they're starting to get worried as to how stable this bull run is and how long it can actually go on for. So uh, it's definitely something I, I'm keeping my eye out for. And, you know, we're covering largely at Crush the Street. Cool. So they can go to your website. They can learn about uh, the stock market. They can learn about investing, dividends. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of different stuff that's on your guys' website for that. Absolutely. If you want to learn about finance, you know, getting ahead, building a moat, uh, really getting inspiration for how you can advance your own personal life. Yeah, you can reach out to us at Crush the Street. You can visit us and uh, we have a bunch of information uh, and resources that we can give you for free at CrushTheStreet.com. My goal is to educate people. My goal is to get people thinking, to be nimble. Uh, and to opt out of conventional wisdom, because I think conventional wisdom is hurting people in so many different ways. I mean, if you want to be average, go, you know, hook, line and sinker on conventional wisdom. If you really want to get out ahead and, uh, you know, live a really extraordinary life, uh, you need to opt out of conventional wisdom. Yeah, the, the, there's so many different changes and things happening. I mean, like a lot of friends have been asking me lately. They're like, uh, what should I do, Chris? Should I stay in the stock market? Should I move into more secure gold? Is Are we going to keep this bull run going? Is it going to be a recession? So going to your guys' website, they can learn a lot about where, where you guys think the future is going and get a lot of good advice, I guess. Absolutely. You know, I, I would recommend that people, if they want a specific link, go to crushthestreet.com forward slash crash. Uh, this is a, a report that we wrote that discusses, you know, the possibility of this recession and, you know, kind of the different nuances that are related to the economy right now that are going on. And, you know, the possibility that we will see stocks go higher in the interim term here uh, and kind of how to play that, because, you know, you can't just go all in on anything. You can't just go all cash. You can't just go all gold. You can't go all stocks. And that's why I advocate for uh, um, a lot of different things. I, I think real estate, by the way, you know, talking about gold and sound money and Bitcoin, I think real estate is a safe haven to a certain degree. And it's a hedge against the dollar because property is finite. And you have more and more people being born into this world. And, you know, downtown real estate or real estate that's close to the urban city is finite. And I think that is something that, you know, despite maybe a short term crash uh, over time will benefit you. And, and it's all about not being over leveraged and getting in over your head, because that's the people that ultimately lose is the ones that have to sell and you know get creamed with initial expenses but what i love about real estate is that it's if you hold on to it you know cash flow renting it out 
kind of covers up and washes the sins of the past. You know, if you can hold on to it long enough, you know, you kind of eventually get back to where you were as opposed to something else which might expire worthless. So um, I, I have a, a strong affinity towards real estate and, you know, I own real estate across the country. Uh, and and I, I believe uh, I believe in I believe in cash flow and that moat. Yeah, cash flow is definitely real important. Um, and of course, it, with real estate, you don't really lose your money until you sell it. Same thing with stocks, I guess, really when it <laughs> technically comes down to it. But uh, definitely some good advice on how to get uh, more stuff. So the best thing people can do is take and go to your website, check it out, read the articles, uh, and uh, download some of your reports. Absolutely. You can visit our, our website. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at contact us at crushthestreet.com. We'd love to uh, interact with anybody. And uh, if, if anyone wants to reach out to us and, you know, I personally respond to my emails, be happy to communicate with anybody and, you know, give people not advice, but uh, what I would do in different uh, situations, right? That's, it's never personal financial advice, but you know, I can share my own experiences with people just like I have here. Yeah, most definitely. So everyone check it out. Go to crushthestreet.com and be sure to give us a like, subscribe to us on YouTube, hit that bell notification. Also, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Be sure to refer the show to your friends, neighbors, relatives, and tell them to subscribe. Thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. And thanks to my audience for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.